How's it going? Um, first off, I want to apologize for the last episode, the episode that I recorded live in Ottawa and just decided to upload without editing to uh, the internet straight from my phone. Uh, the audio was really bad and, you know, I didn't edit it or add any other stuff to it, so... Um, it was a mistake, something I tried, it failed, so, you know, you live, you learn, uh, you move on, um, yeah, so sorry about that, but, uh, well, what are you gonna do? Uh, since the last time I recorded a podcast, I, uh, my 10-year anniversary from my, the big attack that led to my diagnosis came and went, uh, that was on November 11th which is Remembrance Day here in Canada. And I always found it odd. It's just one of those, uh, you know, those weird coincidences that happen where uh, the onset of the big attack that, that, that knocked me out, uh, you know, way back 10 years ago, um, was on Remembrance Day. And it was just, I mean, it's obviously an easy day for me to remember. So, um Yeah, I just I remember the anniversary every year. So this year, I mean, is it something you celebrate? I mean, I I don't know. I um, you know, I really feel fortunate because I haven't really progressed. And you know, I've had a few hiccups here and there over the last decade, but I really haven't progressed. And obviously, I still you know I can still run and do sports and um, but I you know I I, I do feel fortunate for the way things have unfolded for me you know so far and you know 10 years goes by after diagnosis like that and I'm still doing reason you know reasonably well so is it something that you celebrate and I I didn't know but uh so I I I, you know I went out to dinner with my my wife and kids and and uh my sister my parents and and my niece um and it was nice. I mean, I guess uh, I don't. I don't forbid. Is that a good, is that the right word? I don't. Uh, that day going by every year, it, it doesn't really bother me. Um, and kind of along those lines, when I while I was at dinner with my family, my my sister had asked me. You know, is there ever a day goes by where I don't think about MS? And, and the fact that I got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and, you know, and the best, best answer I, can, I, I you know, I can, I, I could give her was, um, well, I'm sure, uh, you know, the, the term MS and the words multiple sclerosis, I'm sure they, they, go through my head at least daily for whatever reason uh and that could be for multitudes of things you know for podcasting and and the website and the really long run and and you know um maybe i have to go pick up my meds or whatever i mean obviously you know it'll pop up during the day but it's never in a in the best way i could put it is i don't worry about the future i don't look into the future and think about it any differently 
um, than I did before. Uh, I'm actually probably more optimistic about my future now than I was 10 years ago. Um, you know, before I even was diagnosed or even had the attack for that matter. Um, so I don't really have a lot to complain about. Uh, I mean, having multiple sclerosis sucks, the symptoms sucks, the comp constant numbness in my hands and feet sucks, um, you know, the fatigue days are crappy, the headache days are crappy, um, not having quite the same balance that I did before, uh, you know, days of my eyes go a little bit wonky or, or what have you, having to take medication, you know, that kind of stuff, that all sucks, I mean, really... Who wouldn't think that uh, that that would suck? But you know, it, it's like anything. Um, I've just become accustomed to it, and you know, because I've been able to not really progress in terms of uh, my disease in ten years. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I'm in a better place now than I was a decade ago, and that may be weird for some to hear or, um, but I can only speak from my own experience and you know I uh, I was pretty lonely 10 years ago and now I'm married with two beautiful children and I wasn't as financially stable 10 years ago even though MS took a lot of money from me uh, what I've been able to build back you know, as modest as it it may be for some, but it's it's quite quite nice for me. Is that uh, I, I'm further ahead now than I was then. Um, you know, I mean, in retrospect, I could always think, well, maybe I'm not as far as ahead now as I would have liked to be, and and I could dwell on it and think that you know, MS stole this from me or stole that from me, or I don't know. But I mean, on the face of it, if I if I compared myself. 10 years ago to myself now, um, I'm just in a better place, you know, and yeah, that's about all I can say. But anyway, so that anniversary uh, came and went and um, I actually really haven't really thought about much about it since. So um, other things to talk about, I... Um, it came out in the in the news about two weeks ago now uh, that Brian Bickle, and for those of you who aren't familiar with hockey, uh, Brian Bickle is a forward. He played on a uh, Chicago Blackhawks Stanley Cup winning team uh, four or five seasons ago, and uh, is now, I believe, playing for the where he was playing for the Carolina Hurricanes this season. But it came out in the news a couple weeks ago that he got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Um, it sounded like he had a similar onset to a lot of us relapsing, remitting uh, people where, you know, numbness and tingling and stuff. And, um, but anyway, he got the diagnosis and he's hoping to uh, come back to the NHL. And there is precedence I mean precedence for this and that even in recently in the NHL it was only uh three years ago I think now in 2016 no maybe it was four years ago now um Josh Harding who was a goaltender for the Minnesota Wild in the National Hockey League 
uh, got diagnosed. And actually, at the time of his diagnosis, he was playing lights out. I mean, he was one of the best goalies in the league at that time, statistically. And he got diagnosed. And then he came back to play 22 games, I believe. Um, which, you know, it gave me a phenomenal amount of inspiration. Uh, he did end up retiring the following season, but uh, just the fact that he came back and played 22 games and, and, and hopefully this Brian Bickle can come back and play, you know, significantly longer than that. I think that would be, uh, inspiring us to all, to all of us in the community to see somebody, you know, achieve, achieve, to play a sport at that high of a level at, um, you know, at a time when you're, when you're, when you've been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, I think that would be, uh, pretty phenomenal. And yeah, but anyway, yeah. So another, another athlete, uh, got diagnosed. Another interesting thing that happened to me since the last podcast, I got an email from, sorry, I got to walk over and grab my paper. Uh, from doctor, and I'm going to, I apologize, I don't mean to butcher this last name, or this name, but I got an email from Dr. Sayed Adin Sajedi, uh, from the University of Medical Science in Gorgon, Iran. Uh, I got an email from him all uh, since the last sorry since the last, po- last podcast and how uh, I initially made contact with him is oh about two years ago now I'd written a post on my blog about a, every now and then I like to go to go to pubmed dot org and I like to see which free uh, academic papers and journals and stuff I can get access to when I can search for multiple sclerosis. Anyway, I was on there, and one of the really interesting ones that I, I came across was a, it was a, a paper by this particular doctor and, and another uh, person where they were studying uh, geomagnetic disturbances and the onset and, um, of multiple sclerosis. And what I had written at the time, and I... And I've written actually two posts or on on my blog about this now, and I'll leave notes to them in the companion notes to this this episode. What geomagnetic disturbances are is they're caused by my understanding is, and and I am not uh, by I should never be mistaken for a scientist. Um, and I'll I'll actually leave a download for the paper. Uh, on the companion notes too. I'm also going to be writing a, you know, a blog post about it as well. But anyway, so to my understanding, what geomagnetic disturbances are is they're caused by solar radiation and the solar radiation, uh, you know, the, the sun's not consistent, like there's solar flares and, uh, and that creates, uh, can create, uh, differences in the magnetic fields that surround our planet. And so these geomagnetic disturbances, which are caused by the sun, um, you know, so they had been studying how, and anybody who's fam- familiar with the vitamin D hypothesis in MS, and that's the one where, you know, rates of MS seem to increase the further you go north from the equator. And, so the you know the thinking and the theory is is that uh, taking vitamin D for people with multiple sclerosis because generally when we get our blood tests our vitamin D is low, 
uh, is to take vitamin D and, um, and that should help with, uh, you know, sort of like the long-term effects of the disease. Anyway, the, the, these doctors were looking at that, but differently, just like, uh, you know, longitude and getting further north from the equator, uh, the magnetic fields uh, that surround the planet um, can be plotted like longitude, except for these fields aren't static and they move. And uh, in the last, I believe it was the last, uh, you'd have to read the post, but the age that we're living in right now, and maybe why we haven't, hadn't seen multiple sclerosis more before the, the modern age, is the age we're living in now, the, uh, the geomagnetic activity is, is quite a, extreme from what I remember from reading the last paper, and which is causing a lot of these disturbances. And so anyway, the, the paper that the, the doctor sent me this time was a follow-up paper to the initial, uh, original study. And... Just some notes from the discussion piece in the paper. And if you do uh, download it and read it, I, I, I'll caution you. Um, unless you, you know, are a neurologist, I mean, unless you're a scientist, you, most of it won't, you won't be able to read, you know, 40 to 60% of it, depending on, on your background. Um, but I always find it valuable sort of to read the introductions into these papers and the discussion and then read as much of the stuff in between. Uh, as I can. Uh, but anyway, the discussion is kind of like, you know, a summary, and it's near the end. But anyway, it's just some stuff from the discussion that, that I found interesting. Um, they, 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 they noticed an increase in the admittances of patients suffering from acute MS relapses seven to eight months after intense geomagnetic activity events. So that that's interesting. And again, uh, it, there are similarities with the, the vitamin D hypothesis, but the way that that um, uh, activity is charted is different. And like I said, it's not static over time. So, um, But anyway, it's definitely something to look at, into. Uh, another bit from their discussion piece. Um, so basically, they're thinking that MS is probably uh, probably has multiple uh, triggers and which involve both genetic and, and environmental causes and of of which um, these geomagnetic disturbances could definitely be one uh, so that's interesting and they do mention in here as well oh they just talked about the vitamin T hypothesis so um, Anyway, I, I would, you know, I, I just find it empowering for myself to keep up to date, as, as up to date with this stuff as I possibly can, um, and understand to the best of my ability, just because it, it just makes me feel more in control of my own, my own path, I guess. So, yeah, if you have a chance, download the paper uh, from this, and I'll also leave the links to the other two blog posts that I wrote about. I had written about them, and there's two other papers there that it can be read as well. So, uh, and, and and I can't thank these doctors enough for reaching out to me and sending me the paper and keeping me in touch whenever they do a new study. 
Um, yeah, it's pretty cool to be able to have a back and forth, at least over email, with uh, with the actual people researchers that they're doing this. So I mean, that's I mean, how amazing is that? Um, so you know, if they do listen to this, thanks. You know, I want to say thank you very much to them. And uh, you know, I actually had asked the the one doctor who'd send it to me that you know if he'd be on the podcast, but uh, he said he just his focus is on research. So I'll keep trying. Maybe one day. Uh, maybe one day. So, um, so today on my blog, I posted about, uh, the, the title of the post was called Echo Chamber. And, it, you know, even though I'm in Canada, obviously we got a lot of um, uh, news about the U.S. election and, um, based on some recent election results where I live and watching, you know, sort of the news feeds and Twitter feeds and Facebook feeds and you name it feeds. Um, you know, and I had heard somebody say the term echo chamber and I started to think about it and I, I think it's very true. I think, you know, even though we have these amazing tools like, smartphones and the, which are hooked up to the internet where you can literally go into a search engine and track down just infinite amounts of information. Um, we're really getting to the point where we really uh, curate and, and, and edit and massage where we get our information, but our information is always coming through our own filter and I think subconsciously, I mean, it's conscious in the choices that we make, but I don't think that the end goal is, is, is a conscious choice. And really what people are doing is just making sure that just getting sources of information or from people who already believe exactly what they believe, regardless if it's based on anything resembling fact. And, you know, it's really too bad that... Um, that's what you know some of these tools are being used for but but in fairness you know when you think about technologies like twitter and facebook you can mute people uh you can unfriend somebody you can unfollow somebody you can you know you you can really that that feed you get whether whether it's through your twitter or your facebook is you know it's edited by you and in the sense that you choose the people you allow to to paste information there and oftentimes what happens is most of those people have similar views so they don't even consciously realize that some of the stuff that that they're ingesting in terms of information um is so inaccurate it's it's laughable and um but because of the sources that they've chosen to take in it, they take it as, as basically as gospel. And, 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 and if you do try, if anybody does try and challenge anything in somebody's sort of echo chamber and they you know, that's into their, in their filter, then you get that really trollish and vulgar, uh, behavior that we see online where rather than having a, you know, a high level debate about a topic, 
Um, it just becomes vulgar and hate-filled and, and, uh, which is, and I think that's to me is the, what the saddest part is, is that I like it when people disagree with me, as long as it's done respectfully and fairly. And the reason why I like it is if, if I have a good debate with somebody, but a debate with an open mind, and I think that's the key, is the open mind. Um, but if you have a good debate with somebody with an open mind, their arguments might be so good that they'll actually challenge how you think. And you can learn, and then you can grow, and you can incorporate new ideas, and and you know just keep building on that process so that um, just because you can learn and... and yeah, I think it's the I think it's one of the easiest way to learn is have a really good debate with somebody. Um, but the, these debates, and I you know I can't really I guess air quotes debates that are had online, aren't that they just become. Yeah, like I said, just angry, bitter, hate filled uh, spaces that I don't see what anyone gets from that. And I also don't see what anyone accomplishes. And again, these are all my, these, this is my personal view, but I don't see what anyone accomplishes by being so entrenched in their views. They're not, they're not even willing to listen to an opposing viewpoint. I mean, it's disregarded before somebody even opens their mouth because it's not the way I think. That's not what I believe. Um, and to me, that's just scary. It's just, uh, it's really, really scary, and um, but I, I mean, I think it's wiser people said this long before I, before I'm going to say it. But uh, most problems are caused by fail, the failure of people to listen to each other, and unfortunately, these these tools and these you know again air quotes echo chambers that we're building around ourselves virtually um, aren't helping. <laughs> You know, because you don't have to listen when you can just mute somebody. When you can treat, you know, treat the opinions of other people like you can with commercials on TV through your remote. Uh, I think the world gets to be a pretty boring and potentially dangerous place. But what the hell do I know? Um, another thing that happened to me since the last time I recorded one of these, and if it's, I think it's probably obvious to you by now that. I don't have a guest for, for this one, so um, I had to go to the multiple, the MS Society of Northern Alberta. Um, they had their annual Champions Dinner, and the Champions Dinner is for anybody who raised, uh, I should know this, I think it's $3,000 or more um, in, the, in, the, in the last calendar year. And then they treat you to you know a lasagna dinner, and then there's rewards for people who raised more, like... Um, I got a award for for the for the money that I raised for the uh, really long run, and um, but there was just some amazing people there, and and some of the the amounts of you know just staggering amounts of money that they've been able to raise for for the MS Society was uh, pretty great to see, and it's always cool to be uh, around, you know, being a big group of people that that are supporting. Um, 
supporting us in, in, in our struggle to, uh, to beat this thing. So, um, yeah, and I was sitting at a table um, with uh, about half the table I didn't know. And, uh, and it was funny because none of them knew that I had MS. And then, of course, so one of them went up to get their award for uh, something or other, and then they came back and sat back down. And and I was called up near the end. And uh, so they, you know, Patricia, who's the just an awesome spokeswork, spokes, spokes lady for the uh, LeDuc de Camaro's bike tour, uh, she kind of briefly descri- described who I was and what, and what I'd done. So when I got back to the table, it was really funny because the one lady who got, got an award, she had won hers for fundraising in the MS walk. And uh, she doesn't have MS. It was just, you know, something she wanted to do. And she was complaining about running five kilometers, or not running, walking five kilometers. And, you know, not in a fun way. I mean, she wasn't, uh, you know, she wasn't being severe about her. I think she was more just in a joking way, but... Anyway, she was complaining about running the five kilometers. So, of course, I go up, pick up my award. They mentioned that, you know, for the second year in a row, I've run 80 kilometers in a day from Leduc to Camros to raise money for the M Society. So then I come back and sit down, and her and the friend that she were with, they were just howling, laughing. And uh, she looked at me. She's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I had no idea. And I said, well, no, I didn't tell you. You know, like, uh, you know, it's not like I, I wear... Uh, you know, a banner across my forehead that says, I have MS, and by the way, I run really far to raise money for it. Like, I don't I don't actively promote it. Um, I suppose when I'm not promoting it, it's not... Uh, uh, yeah, it's just not something that I do. But anyway, so it was quite funny, and the whole table, once the, everybody kind of caught wind of what had happened, everybody had a pretty good laugh about it, so... Um, and it was really also really nice to go as well with with my mom. Uh, my mom and my wife got came with me, and uh, well, my mom was invited to go because she through the work with a really long run and through her own fundraising for the bike tour. It's just it's nice to go with her and be acknowledged and and because uh, we both well and her especially both put a lot of work into fundraising over the last couple of years and. Um, I certainly couldn't couldn't have ever raised the money that I did without her. So, anytime I get a chance to, I guess, hang out with my two favorite ladies, it's it's always a treat. So, um, yeah. And, and speaking of running and ultra marathons and stuff, I uh, so I ran a twenty five k trail run run in uh, Kamloops in, at the beginning of September, and that one had almost 900 meters of elevation. So it was steep. It was just basically running straight up or straight down a hill for, for three hours. Um, and then I attempted the Grizzly, which is a 50-kilometer uh, ultra. And uh, in Canmore, uh, Thanksgiving weekend in Canada, so it's the... Um, it's around October the 7th, anyway. And that was 50K. And I made it 40 kilometers and I had to pull out because I ended up with tendonitis and plantar fasciitis in my right foot so that was the beginning of October near the beginning of October it's now uh, 
near the end of November, and I haven't gone for a run. All I've been able to do is ride the stationary bike. Uh, God bless her, my wife is giving me acupuncture on my uh, with like electro stimulus, uh, and it's starting to. She start just started a couple days ago, and it's finally starting to loosen up. Um, but when you go from running as much as I do to not being able to run at all for well over a month, uh, it's it's yeah I you know the runner's high or whatever that you know that that's true I'm really really missing it I I have a stationary bike in my basement and I've been riding that for forty five to fifty minutes every morning um, and pretty hard because I don't want to lose the fitness that I built up so. Um, Waiting for this thing to heal has just been uh, brutal. <laughs> That's about the best way I can put it. Um, so, um, oh yeah, and now I think next year I have already. And there was another cool thing about that dinner is that uh, uh, I ended up following a team that has a as a team in the MS Hinton bike, which is a, is actually a mountain bike tour rather than a bike tour. So it's actually uphill and downhill mountain biking and um, sounds like a lot of fun. So I got a team for that for next year. So I'm really, I'm really, really pumped. I, I grew up as a kid in, in British Columbia mountain, mountain biking and uh, to do that, to raise money, uh, that may be my bike tour every year from now on. That may be the one that I do uh, depending on how it goes because I'm, I'm super excited. So, Anyways, that's the podcast for episode number, I think this is 17. Yeah, I think it's 17. Uh, I am going to edit this one and and, uh, put the regular music and all that stuff. Uh, The only thing that I can, you know, the only thing I can announce today is that I'm going to reboot this thing in January. I'm going to do, you know, a pre-Christmas episode. That'll be 18, and then... In January, I'm going to, near the end of January, I'm going to reboot this thing uh, where every time I record an episode, it'll be available in audio, but I'm also going to upload it to YouTube and I'll record myself. Uh, hopefully not break any cameras, but um, yeah, I'm going to record myself and uh, that way if I have any guests, you know, I'll have them either via Skype or FaceTime and, um, and I can record it that way. And... Uh, who knows, maybe I'll even uh, go on the old Mac app store there and see if there's any like cool special effects stuff that I can get. Because that would be kind of fun to learn. But anyway, yeah, so in January I'm going to change this all around a little bit. and Because uh, it's just time for me to refresh. If I'm going to keep doing it, i got to uh, refresh it and, and that. So Anyway, thanks for listening, and uh, I'll talk to you in about a month.